0: Since being named Florida Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Lopato has been making statements about COVID that have been contrary to the CDC recommendations. Some of them I've agreed with, others I have not. Now he is advocating for a complete stoppage of the use of messenger RNA vaccines. So let's talk about it. hey everybody it's dr david so happy new year hope everybody's doing well um in my continuing effort to help educate people to sort through information that could be sent through all different types of sources i Try to do my best to try to interpret information, to give my own take on things, point things out that people may not ordinarily see. And being a pediatrician for 25 years, and people have read medical articles, and someone's read medical articles and um, studies and such like that, I can sift through these things and kind of see through and find information that again some people may not found. Now, what we're talking about today is this brand new. Um, note that was sent out from Dr. Lapado. He's the Florida Surgeon General. And this was sent out widely distributed. I received it as a doctor, but news articles received it. In fact, I already did an, an interview for the local Tampa affiliate from M- ABC today about this. And basically, he is saying that there should be a complete cessation, a complete stopping in the use of messenger RNA vaccines for COVID. Okay. Now, This issue, so this was issued January 3rd for those who are not watching this um, today. (laughs) I guess you're always watching it today, if that makes sense. Okay, but what this public statement was called, and I'm going to do more reading today than I normally do because I want to make sure I get this information right since I'm doing a lot of quoting here. Okay, so the statement itself was called, Florida's state surgeon general calls for halt in the use of COVID-19 mRNA vaccines now in this particular memo he first mentions um and it's actually it's a memo from the department of health and then a quote from him okay but he's the one who wrote the whole thing <clears throat> it's obviously being released by his office so on this, so what he wrote is a memo noting that starting on december 6th that's when he sent a message um, a letter to the FDA um, where he posted questions that were related to the safety um, assessments of, regarding messenger RNA um, vaccines. And also um, what he said was the discovery of billions of DNA particles within a dose, a vial of messenger RNA vaccine for COVID. Okay. Um, on December 14th, the FDA issued a reply to this. Um, and basically re- it was a rebuttal to um Dr. Lapado's comments. Now, in me reading through that, and I'll get into this a little bit more, some of their rebuttal, I think, made sense. Some of their rebuttal, I think, kind of side-skirted what he was actually asking. But again, I just want to try and get through this information so you know what to make of it. Okay, so first of all, this January 3rd statement, the, the one that just came out. Okay, so this this letter um, outlines concerns regarding nucleic acid contaminants in the approved Pfizer and Moderna COVID nineteen vaccines, the messenger RNA. Okay, um, and he talks particular about um, the presence of these lipid nanoparticle complexes, um, DNA from the simian virus forty. That's something that had actually been a concern back in the polio viruses way back in the day. I think this was like 60s, 70s, something like that. Um, and also um, something called the the, S, the the simian virus forty promoter enhancer DNA. This is a particular DNA that he was mentioned concerns of. He does point out that, of course, the reason why the vaccine is supposed to work or that why it does work is that the the nucleic acid. So again, I shouldn't say again, nucleic acids, like DNA, of course, that's what our genes are. RNA, DNA gets read and converted into messenger RNA, There are other types of RNA in our bodies, of course, but there are some viruses that are RNA to begin with. They're not DNA and COVID, SARS-CoV-2 being one of them. Okay, the nanoparticles are what were wrapped around the messenger RNA that once it was injected into the body would penetrate into the cell and then release the RNA that would then be transcribed into a protein. That's what protein proteins are made from reading messenger RNA. And in this particular case, the spike protein. And then the spike protein was put on these cells of the, an, and an immunological response by our immune system would see this as a foreign body, make antibodies and white blood cells against it. So that when a person would see the virus, that they would, um, that they would then have an immune response ready to go. Okay, one of the challenges that I've seen from the beginning of all of this is that unlike a traditional vaccine, which was when you give it to somebody, there's a set amount of the protein that the body reacts to. But with messenger RNA, and I shouldn't say from the very beginning, this is something that came out about a year in, that your body's ability to make the spike protein, well, the quantity that it makes it can be different from person to person because messenger RNA can be re- can be reread and produce more proteins over and over and over again for a period of time so there could be a variable amount of spike protein produced which is also true when people get covid the virus itself then of course depending on how a person's immune system is able to control it more or more spike protein can be made that way too okay so these what he's proposing is that these nano these lipid nanoparticles wrapped around it that if it's also found in the um if it's also found in the the dna is mistakenly or whatever in the vaccine that it could be promoted through. Now, one thing in me reading over this, which I was not clear about, they made the nanoparticle to wrap around, and as part of the formulation. I have yet to be able to find information that says that the free-floating DNA would also be incorporated inside that nanoparticle lipid in order to be brought in. So that's um, an area, I may be wrong about that. If anybody's aware of that, please send it to me. But that to me is, there's an assumption that's being made here that that, you know, even if the if the if these DNA particles are actually in the vaccine, does that necessarily mean it's in the nanoparticle that's being transferred? We don't know. I don't know. Anyways, maybe someone does. OK, now, um, of course, if it's being transferred into the cells, then the DNA could potentially again, the the, the thought here is that this DNA then moves into the nucleus now there's a lot of question about that and uncertainty because you know messenger rna doesn't typically move into the into the nucleus it's not replicated there it's replicated outside the nucleus it's only in the dna that's where the um that the genes are that's in the nucleus that's where the dna is so again getting into the cells possibly but we don't know with these nanoparticles is that then would this dna be transporting into the nucleus to be incorporated into the dna again I haven't seen anything that says for sure that that is happening okay now because of this um, he, you know he does point out um, in the in the letter that the you know that in two thousand and seven the FDA published guidelines um, regulating the limits of DNA vaccines um, that were referred to, referred to as plasmid DNA vaccines for infectious disease. And they outline considerations the FDA did um, that uses these novel methods of delivering um, DNA integration that could theoretically turn a um, a healthy cell into a cancerous cell, that this DNA could theoretically result in um, chromosomal instability, that it it could then move to other parts of the bodies, okay? Now, to be clear, this is DNA vaccines that they were talking about, not messenger RNA. And again, we don't necessarily know that even if the DNA is in the vaccine vial, that it's actually in a form that could then transport into the cells and into a nucleus. So lots of hypothesis there. Okay. Now the the, the DOH letter then goes on to say that on December 13th the FDA replied to Dr. Lapado. Um and 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 the and, the, and Dr. Lapado says that it didn't provide any information about the DNA integration assessment relative to this FDA 2007 um concerns that they had expressed, okay? Now he says that the FDA also provided no evidence that these risks have been assessed to assure the safety of messenger RNA COVID vaccines. And that set sentence is true because obviously providing no evidence if they didn't look, which we don't know, um, that could be an issue. OK, but again, now on top of that, Dr. Lapidus then himself makes the following statement. The FDA's response does not provide data or evidence that the DNA integration assessments that recommended themselves have been performed. Instead, they pointed they pointed to genotoxicology studies which are inadequately assessment for DNA integration. So what he's saying there is that the, what they did do, this thing called genotoxic toxicity, that it wasn't good enough to show that um to to make him feel comfortable about about this. I guess that's the way of saying it. Okay. Um he also then said that, um, that there could be this DNA could be integrated into the sperm or eggs and then passed along to um, further generations. Um, and so uh, the thing is, though, he uses a lot of May statements that it could, that it's hypothesized that, but nothing that he's really pointing out that I, you know, there's no references to anything there. Now, he also does um, point to um, concerns about the potential health risks associated with um, He then says that I'm sorry, providers who are concerned about the mRNA being put into a person's body from the vaccine, that there is a regular non messenger RNA vaccine called Norvax that can be used instead. So he does make that alternative recommendation. Okay, so now let's unpack all of this. So first of all, let's talk about the validity of Dr. Lapato's statement. Okay, so first of all, the he references a particular paper that shows that that has the mention um that that's that he says shows that the that the dna is in the vials okay this is from from a researcher at one of the universities in canada but i just looked at it first of all it's a preprint. okay it has not been peer-reviewed and it's not even in any kind of medical journal it's just a pdf that was sent out by the researchers so you know he, they make the statements they 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 document the billions of dna particles in the vial but i don't see anything that like really can substantiate it um because it hasn't been peer reviewed for that matter and being that i am not a dna technologist I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. Um, I don't know if the equipment, if what they were using, if those protocols are even accurate because there hasn't been any peer review for someone to say, yeah, that's the way you would check these things versus no one's ever done that before. You have not you're not using valid equipment. Again, we don't know because it hasn't been peer reviewed. Okay, now. But they do say that these billions of particles are there now. Um. Again, Dr. Lopato does not make any reference, any show anything that does show that's actually being incorporated into human cells. This is a hypothesis that he's making. Now, of course, science is based upon hypotheses. Every study, every concept in medicine, there's first a hypothesis that you then go on to prove. Now, of course, he hasn't gone on to prove anything. Okay. Now, again, when you use words like could theoretically, it may, again, those are statements but to, to me those are more opinions and they're they're not fact okay um now i if there was you know but when looking at this i like to use the term biologically plausible what that to me means is that if there's not research that shows that that a can cause b right if you can say that a can cause b and b can cause c and c can cause d that means it's plausible that a could be contributing to d but it's not proof Okay. And there's a lot of inferring here. Okay. So I'm not saying that his theory is false. It could be false. I'm just saying there's no evidence to show at this point that his theory has been proven. Okay. Now, again, he does offer this alternative vaccine for those who do want it. Um, I don't know anybody who's actually taken it, but it is widely available. Um, I did put a link. If anybody wants to know where to get this Noravax, it, it, and if they say, I want to get a COVID vaccine, I don't want to get a messenger RNA version of it. I did put a link in the uh, description where you can actually find those vaccines if you want. Okay. Now, in terms of my take overall, First of all, I think that this is an overstatement, and if he, but he is, you know, saying that this is an abundance of caution. Okay, he is, staying, he is recommending that the use be halted. He hasn't made this; isn't an official order. They're not saying, he's not saying that they're not allowed to sell it or give it anywhere in the state or anything like that. This is his opinion, and you know, he doesn't flat out come and say this, this is his opinion. But I infer this is clearly his opinion, not something that is policy. Okay, um, but at the end of the day, we all need to make that decision on our own. We should weigh the pros. We should weigh the cons. We should use reputable sources. We should use multiple sources. Kind of seems like here there was one source being used um, to make this recommendation. OK, um, you know, but of course, the individual factors still come into play. High risk people, elderly people of, of issues. They're obviously more at risk. I've given I've made a video recently that shows that even when people are getting these booster, vac- pardon me, these booster vaccines, that the protection is not lasting more than a few months so of course it's temporary but if someone says hey i want to get a few months of protection hey that's their call right they get to make that call um of course Making sure people's vitamin D and zinc levels where you're of course, to fight off the virus. Make sure your levels are good chronically. You can't just be popping a bunch of vitamin D and expect it to make a big difference. You need to have your levels good. Same with zinc. And of course, we've talked many times about our immune support protocol that we've published before. I know our Patreon subscribers have it. It's, our patients have access to it as well. It's in previous videos. What you do when you first start to get sick, but also a similar protocol. If you choose to get a vaccine, supplements, vitamin A, zinc, vitamin C and echinacea arabinogalactan given before and after the vaccine. So now you have some more information, but overall, do I think that this will probably make some people. Well, I don't even know how many people are on the fence now about vaccines in the first place. So I don't know how many people this will actually impact. But in my opinion, he's entitled to his opinion. He's entitled to to present a biologically plausible thing. But in the same sense, the way it's presented to me seems like it's an overreach in the fact that it's just theory and that there's really no evidence at this point besides a non-published, non-peer-reviewed paper to back him up. Have a nice day.